Are you ready to get started today? Great. Let's uh, get your Bibles. I'm going to ask you to uh, turn to an Old Testament uh, book, and that's 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to get there in a moment. But today we want to talk about God's prep for the next step. Uh, and so we're going to look at where God has brought us from, but his preparation for the next step. We're going to look at King David's life and see how it um, applies, these principles apply to our life as well. There was, um, I, I never knew my father to do anything except printing. His father was a printer. This is the old style of printing. Now, he didn't have a copier. This was old style printing. And so my, my grandfather started the business probably in the early uh, uh, 50s, I guess, maybe the late 40s. And, uh, and so then when he died, my father unwillingly but took over uh, the business. I'll tell you that story one year, one time. But uh, today, I just want to know that I've, I've never knew my father to do anything except printing. He started in the printing business at age 22 and for the next 65 years printed something. 65 years he printed something. But there was one aspect of the printing that he did, which was uh, something that he only did occasionally. Now, in his printing, there were, there were these uh, strips of lead. And each one of those strips of lead had imprinted on it or made into it the sentence that was going to be printed. And so if you take your, your Bible there and you look at it, every one of those lines would be a separate piece of lead. And those would be pressed together, put into the printing press, and that's how the printing was done. He had other machines that did it differently, but this was kind of the, this old-style printing. Well, once you use that piece of lead and you're not going to do that job anymore, then you've got all this lead and you really can't use it. So he had a machine there that heated up the lead and he would throw all those pieces of lead into it and he would heat it up and it would cause it to become liquefied. So it was liquid lead. Pardon me, it was steel. Maybe it was steel. It was a precious metal. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was. But I remember always wanting to do that with him. But you know, when you're this big, you don't deal with liquid metal. He's a good dad. Okay? You just don't let the little ones do that. But I remember when I got to be old enough, I was a teenager, probably 14, he said, okay, you can do that. I know mamas, in the olden days, 14-year-olds could do that. Okay. Part of that process, though, was this. Once all of the metal was melted and it was really liquefied, you could not then extract it into the form that you needed, which was a bar about that long and about that big around that would hang into the machine and slowly melt and be used. You had to put something in the liquid metal in order to purify it. If you would use it in that form without purifying it, then it would be imperfect and it would produce imperfect little pieces of lead that would then be unusable. So we put a chemical into the liquid, which would bring all of the imperfections of that lead, dirt, dust, whatever was in there, it would rise to the top. And then we had a, a skimmer that we would come along and skim it off, and we would get rid of that. 
And unless you did that, the, the metal was then useless. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. God's prep for the next step. Now, let's just dive into what we've been through in the last two years without getting depressed, right? Good? Yeah. All right. So we've been through kind of a, a hassle the last two years. Let's just acknowledge that and realize it. I know we want to forget it, and that's good that we want to forget it, and we're going to get it behind us because it truly is we're on the very tail end of this thing, and I'm proclaiming we're behind it. It's behind us. We're ahead of it. We're going on, right? So... Got to acknowledge that we did some changing these last two years. For one, we had to all go in kind of a survival mentality. How are we going to survive this? How are we going to get through this both as a family, as an economy? Our jobs were affected. A lot of things changed during that time. And we had to say, how are we going to get through this thing? And it was kind of a pain, wasn't it? It was kind of scary. There was fear. There was anxiety. There were health issues and health scares. And, and, and of course, the hysteria that the news media, I mean, I'm sorry, the opinion media loves to just ramp up so that you'll watch the next program to see who died. In case you don't know, I don't like the opinion media. I kind of try to hide that, but I just want to go ahead and let you know. We've been through all of these changes in the last two years. And we went into this survival mode. And if we're not careful, we'll just stay in survival mode now that we're over this time period. Because we're in that mindset. And yet God wants to transition you and I and us from the mindset we've been in to the mindset we need to have. Because he has something for you and he has something for us that he has just spent two years preparing us for. Now, that's good news. He just spent two years and before that preparing you and preparing us for what he has for us next. How many of you say, I'd really like to know what that is? You know, I'd really like to move into that. Let's move out of where we have been and into where we're going. We're going to look at King David and use him as a backdrop to see God's principles of preparing us for the next step. Now, King David was no doubt the most popular king of Israel in all of history, even to today. And you think of all the kings of Israel, King David stands out way above all of the kings of Israel. And he was a king thousands of years ago. But he was a complicated man in complicated times. Israel as a nation was brand new. It had, only, it had one king, King Saul, and King David was the very next king. He was anointed to be king at about the age of 17. And so King Saul is in place, but David has been anointed by the prophet to become king. And the first thing that happens after that is David goes back to his father's sheep and tends them and takes care of his job. And so King Saul then calls David up to be a musician and to help him uh, to calm his anxiety. And so David has close proximity to King David. And King David begins to hate him and does not want David around and actually tries to kill him on many, many occasions over the next several years. King Saul absolutely hated David and rejected him. And so David had to leave. David joined with the Philistines who were the enemy of the nation of Israel. 
He joins with them with this band of 600 men that David had, had kind of uh, gotten gathered around him. And so these 600 men with David, they kind of connect with the Philistines. It was a weird relationship. Uh, they had David in prison at one time, and through the process, David got out. But he kind of connected with them, but kind of wasn't. It was a strange relationship, if you want to call it that. So David finds himself in between. He's in between Israel because he's been rejected by King Saul. He's not a Philistine, so he's connected to him, kind of. And then he's got these 600 men. So he's in between all three. Have you ever felt in between? You ever felt like, you know, dude, I know you have a valid point about mask, and I know that we have freedom away from mask. There's validity in both of these. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you want to get vaccinated, don't get, I don't really care. You ever felt in between? You ever felt in between like denominations? Well, I, I like what y'all do, but I don't like those three things. And I like what y'all do, and I don't like those three. But I can, I can live with both of you. Am I getting too deep too quick? That's where David was. He was, he was like, I, I'm an Israelite, but I've been rejected by the king. I'm not a Philistine, but they've accepted me. And I got these 600 men. And he was right in between. Sometimes in the in-between, we feel very uncomfortable because we like to know where we stand. But it's in the in-between times that God takes us and teaches us some of the greatest lessons that we'll ever learn. I remember um, starting off in ministry about 20 years old, uh, probably too early, but that's what I did. And uh, things were going great until they weren't. <laughs> and I went through this process where I was like, I never planned on painting houses, but hey, let's do that. I had these three kids at home that wanted to eat. I don't know what's wrong with them, but very demanding children. It's that in-between time that God takes you and says, I'm, I'm preparing you. I'm heating you up, melting you down. I'm putting in the purifier. You got to go through the process so that you can become useful. And that's where God's had us in the last couple of years. Very uncomfortable, kind of heated up a bit. But he's been injecting us with that purifier so that we can become the most useful we will ever become. In what we're getting ready to read is where David is in between, but he is marching with his 600 men with the Philistines. But here's the problem. The Philistines are getting ready to fight, you know who, King Saul and the Israelites. So David is marching with the Philistines, the enemies, and yet they're getting ready to fight Israel. It wasn't a problem if Philistines were fighting other nations, but now they're going against Israel. And David was marching with them. But the leaders of the Philistines said, he can't go with us because if we get into the middle of the battle, he may turn around and start killing us. That's no good. No bueno. So they said, he can't march with us. David is upset. So now he's been rejected by Israel, and now he's been rejected by the Philistines. Now all he's got is his 600 men. 
So they leave the ranks of the Philistines, and they're going back to a place called Ziklag. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and let's begin reading there. We're going to read the first 10 verses, and then we'll come back uh, in a moment, and we'll read some more. 1 Kings chapter 30, verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and and Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag and burned it and taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. And when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured also. Verse 5, verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to Besor Valley, where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued to pursue. I want to look at three aspects of what God was doing in David, and I believe what God does in each one of our lives. You ready? Number one is this. God sees what David can't, and God sees what you and I can't. See, what, Dave, what God was able to see was that this battle that was getting ready to happen was what was going to be a turning point, not only in Israel, also with the Philistines, but also with David. The Philistines' rejection of David to say, you cannot march with us, David was very upset. Now, maybe David was in that space where he was like, you know, God, you anointed me 13 years ago to be king of Israel, and I'm not king of Israel. This mad guy, Saul, is still the king. He's been trying to kill me. I can't go to Israel. I'm marching with the Philistines. Now, they've rejected me. Maybe David was just tired of running from Saul. Maybe he was tired of being in the in-between spot. He was so upset. But what he didn't see is what God could see. And what God saw was that this battle between the Philistines and Israel is the battle in which King Saul loses his life. David has no way of knowing that. Saul has somehow survived all the other battles. But God knows If David and these 600 men fought against Israel and King Saul dies, I think we could come to a pretty good conclusion. Israel is not going to accept David as the king. Dude, you fought against us and our king died. No, we don't want you to be king. No way. But David doesn't know that. You see, God can see what David could not see and God sees what you and I cannot see. Think back to two years ago when all of a sudden we were sending out an email saying, hey, guys, we're, we're not going to meet at church this Sunday. It's going to be a couple of weeks and we'll meet, meet again. Y'all get quiet. 
Yeah. We didn't know what was going to happen, right? We didn't know how bad this was going to be. We didn't know this. We didn't, we didn't know anything, really. But we had to walk by faith and realize, God, you see the end from the beginning. You already know what's going to happen. We've got to walk by faith. David couldn't see what God could see. God knew that the Amalekites were going to take and burn Ziklag and take all the wives and the children. David didn't know that. David was rejected by the Philistines, which caused him to immediately go to where his wives and children were, all those 600 men, all of their wives and children. If they had fought in the battle, who knows how long that battle would have taken. That would have given the Amalekites even more space and more time to do with them what they wanted to do. And God just said, I'm going to narrow that gap of time by causing the Philistines to reject you. So many reasons why David had that rejection. I'm not going to ask you to answer this, but have you anybody ever gotten a pink slip before? Anybody ever got fired before? And all of a sudden you're going like, God, what's going on? I can't believe this. And didn't God turn it around to say, oh, now I got a better job. Now I see God. Thank you for getting me fired. Because something else happened that was better. It was amazing. But you had to go through this in order to get to that. Well, where do we find this in the New Testament? It's Luke chapter number 8. Here's what it says. One day Jesus says to his disciples, now this is what Jesus says to him. He says, let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's go to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. This is what he says to him. He says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Isn't that amazing? See, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He's asleep in the boat while all this storm is happening. The disciples, if I was in the boat, I'd be freaking. They freaked. But Jesus was asleep. I got a question for you. Why did Jesus calm the storm? It wasn't going to stop him from getting to the other side. It wasn't going to stop the disciples from getting to the other side. So why did he calm the storm? That's a good Bible study for you. You'll give me the answer next week, right? The second thing I want to look at is this. God gives what David needs. Look there, verses 6, 7, and 8. What does it say? David found strength in the Lord. Man, that's amazing. See, when we get to the end, when, when we've been rejected, rejected, things have not gone well, things are not good, this is horrible, people have turned against us, uh, you know, I'm, I'm their leader now, they're talking about killing me, oh, wow, but David digs deep. God puts us in situations where we've got to dig deep, and we've got to say, okay, God, this is bad, I've got to press into you, I've got to press in. 
Come on, can we admit that when, it's, when everything's going great and wonderful and fine, we can get lazy? Now, not you and me, but our neighbors. We can get lazy when everything's going great. We can we just go, hey, everything's good. I, I don't really need to read my Bible like every day. Then it's, I don't need to read it every week, every month. This is for your neighbor. It's not for you. It's for your neighbor. I don't need to pray like as much. I don't need to pray as fervently. I don't need to spit. Okay, you get the right. When, when things are easy, we tend to get a little lazy, but when things are tough, we get real serious. We begin to cut out this and cut out that and get rid of that. I was talking to someone recently. Remember when we did the two-week fast? And uh, we just said, you know, it's not about food, but it's about kind of disconnecting with the things of this world. This person told me, he says, you know, I, I got rid of the social media and the news and all that stuff. And he said, after the two weeks is up, and I, I went back and started kind of watching a little news. He said, I just didn't have a flavor for it. I just, it was like, no way. Why do I want to watch this? See, that's a disconnection. We spend that time fasting. We get serious with God. That's what David did. He says, he found strength in the Lord. Aren't you glad, man, when, when we just dig deep with God and, we, and he always comes through? He's always like, hey, I want to I tell you some things. I want to show you some things. I want to do some things in you. David found strength in God. David got an answer from God. What do we see in, in the New Testament? James chapter 4, verse 7 says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. See, when we're willing to go down, God lifts us up. When we're willing to humble ourselves and say, okay, God, I got no control over so many things happening in my life, but God I thank you that I'm in your hands and nobody can snatch me out. And I just humble myself. I don't, I don't need all of this stuff. I just humble myself and God, whatever you have for me, that's what I have. That's what I have. Luke 14, 10, Jesus was giving this parable, this story, if you will. It's a principle. And he says, you know, when you're inv invited to a feast, when you're invited to a party or something, he says, don't take the seat of honor. Don't, don't try to get next to the guest. He said, actually, go to the other end of the table and take the, the humble seat, if you will. Take the seat of, of less honor. He said, then that person will, might be able to ask you to, come up and say, oh, no, we want you to sit in the place of honor. He says, if you pick the place of honor and they say you to go back to the back of the room, that's not cool. He says, but when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your guests. See, when we're able, when we're willing to go back and, and be in obscurity, if you will, God says, no, I've got a place for you up front. When we're willing to go down, he lifts us up. When we go to the back, he brings us to the front. We got to dig deep. The third thing we find is that God preps for the next step. And here's where we're going to keep reading, if you will. Verses 17, 18, 19, and 20. Look at what happens. So David fought the Amalekites from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. 
David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. Now, quick uh, mathematics. You ready for some math? I <laughs> know. You're like, no. <laughs> Here's some math. Okay, so David has 600 men. So they're in hot pursuit of the Amalekites. How many of them were too tired to move on? 200. So David's left with? He goes against the Amalekites with 400 men. He defeats them except 400 Amalekites who escape. What? Did you get that? He has 400. He defeats the Amalekite and 400 of them escape. Man, that's, that's shouting territory right there. That's some good stuff. God's saying, hey, I can do through you what you can't even imagine. Your numbers are not the big deal. What you need to do is follow me and do what I've called you to do. And I can take a little and overcome much. That's what he does for us. And that's the preparation that David needed. And so he goes through all of this and he recognizes, man, we defeated a big army with just 400 men. You see, it wasn't what David went through did not change God's anointing on his life. It purified David for that anointing. What you've been through the last two years has not changed God's plan for your life. He hasn't changed God. God didn't change his plan for your family, for your children, for your marriage, for your relationship, for your prosperity. It didn't change that. It just purified you to get ready for that next step. So my point today is let's take that next step. Let's get out of that survival mentality, out of the COVID mindset and go, you know what? Reconnection advancement moving forward in the kingdom of God. God wants us to prosper, just as with David. Again, David does not realize that it's this battle that Saul is killed. And then who becomes king? David. But David doesn't know that. And there are some things that God is getting ready to do in 2022 and 2023 that we don't yet know but we know that he has prepared us for what's getting ready to happen. He has prepared us for the increase that we're getting ready to experience. I hate to use the word plunder, but just in reference to what David had, God is preparing us these last two years and before that for what is getting ready to happen in your life, in your family, in our church, and in this community. He wastes nothing at all. You see, he takes 400 men and he goes against a great army. In the natural, that looks horrible. But God, when we can look at our situation and say, this is bad, but God. Man, this doesn't line up. The numbers don't add up, but God. I mentioned to you many times before, at least in our first married, you know, we'd get paid, we'd pay the bills, and we'd have like 25 bucks to last 10 days. Even back in the olden days, you couldn't live on that. <laughs> but God, but God, 
That's why, that's why we continue to tithe, because God. It, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford not to. I give. You give. We can't afford to, but we can't afford not to, because God. God takes a little and makes it much. God takes a little and stretches it out further. God causes your air conditioner to last longer, your refrigerator to last longer, your car to run better, your tires to last longer because he's God and because he loves you. He's got a plan for your life. But God, God had prepared David to be king, but David had to be refined. David had to be purified. David had to be brought up to speed, if you will, and be ready for it. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, we got it on the screen. It says, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your what? Faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We have departed from the COVID season, and now we are poised for the next season. Amen. We have left one, and we're moving into another one, and we're going to have to change our mindset. We're going to have to see, God, you have prepared me. You have uh, invigorated me. You have perfected me. You've caused me to realize I can never win an argument on Facebook. Thank you, Jesus. God prepares, perfects, and presents you as sons and daughters. And that's what we've been through. And so now it's time to get out. Now it's time to move on. And that's when we begin to proclaim and preach the gospel to ourselves. And we begin to proclaim, God, I now have confidence. I have now have the right dependence. And I have connection because of what you've done in my life. And so, God, what you anointed me to do, what you called me to do, what you've placed in my heart to do years ago when I was 17, but now I'm 30, I've waited 13 years, but, God, you've been spending that whole 13 years preparing me. Maybe he spent 30 years preparing you, kind of like Jesus. When Jesus was 30, that's when he launched out in ministry. See, we're, we're, so, we're so want it right now. We want it right now. And God says, no, not really. I've got my, my timing. I've got to take you through some things. But we need to recognize when we've come through them. And I'm here to declare we've come through it. You've come through it. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it? And I say, God's brought us to this place. He has prepared us, he's perfected us, and is perfecting us, and he presents us to this community as his sons and daughters. Perfect? No. Sons and daughters of God? Absolutely, 100% all the way. And that's our testimony. He takes a little and he makes it much. Confidence, dependence, connection. These are the things that God is doing in our lives.